It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. And we're broadcasting live in front of an audience at the Cobb Galleria this morning. The 32nd Annual Fall Home Show and Outdoor Living Expo is here, and we are broadcasting, and you can come yourself. If you get here before 9 o'clock, you get in free as long as you know the code word, which is reliable, as you come into the front of the entrance of the Cobb Galleria. Lots and lots and lots of vendors. Oh, man, this place is covered. Hundreds of vendors of things like patio furniture, patio underdecking, uh, furnaces, fireplaces. We got, what else? I got a big list of things that are here. The uh, super side folks are here with their deliverable side or deliverable soil that they have. You have the reliable heating and air folks, of course, because they're right here beside us sponsoring this stage. And the thing that I like a lot is the red hair garden, beer garden, I should say. It's back in the corner over there. It's got lots of landscapers and for a $5 donation to Hope Atlanta, you get a choice of some of the Red Hair Brewing's Long Day Lager and Gangway IPA. So you get a little beer to enjoy as you go around the around the uh, the home show here at the Cobb Galleria. So if you want to come, you'll get all sorts of things that you can use to beautify and improve your home. Our phone number, of course, 404-872-0750. First in line is Warren out in Jonesboro. He joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Warren, good morning. Warren? Something about the volume right now. Warren hasn't done so well, so let's try instead uh, Barry and McDonough. Barry, join us on the Lawn and Garden Show. Good morning, Walter. Hey, Barry, good morning. Doing great. Listen, uh, 15 years ago, I called you with a question about our state tree, the yeah. live oak. The live oak, yep. I'd been down in Charleston, South Carolina, the old colonial plantation, Middleton Place. They've got a 900-year-old live oak there, and I picked up a Coke can full of uh, acorns. Yeah. And I was wondering if they would survive in upstate Georgia. And this was 15 years ago? That's right. Wow. And what and happened? Well, I've got a long driveway out in the country, and I planted one about every 40 feet down both sides of the driveway and they're about 25 feet tall and about an wow. eight inch diameter trunk and if i'm not mistaken tree. i predicted that they'd all die <laughs> if i'm not mistaken 15 well, years ago i said live oaks come on you said if they were in a sheltered place you know being uh -huh. i'm in mcdonald's i'm southeast of the city so you said that they you thought they might it turns out apparently uh the acorns don't survive because they sprout in the fall as soon as oh, they okay. fall off the tree uh -huh. I guess that's why they never make it too far from the coast. But if you start them inside and get them going, they do fantastically. And wow. Really surprised that a lot more people don't use them. I mean, it's a evergreen tree. I mean, you get this beautiful tree uh, that you don't have to rake leaves. And uh, one little ancillary benefit that I've found, they grow such a dense uh, crown in them yeah. that every single tree has got a bird nest in it. <laughs> so they're a wildlife attractor as well. Yeah. Well, I, I think that you are doing a great job, of course, and I still think my advice to plant live oaks in sort of a sheltered location, except uh, in McDonough, they might have a mild enough winter that wouldn't wouldn't hurt them, and obviously you're the example of how it hasn't hurt them, but somewhere north of, Georgia, north of Atlanta where it gets pretty cold in the wintertime, it's going to be very chancy to grow live oaks up in North Georgia. But as you say, state tree, we got to celebrate it. And if they grow good in McDonald's, let's encourage everybody in McDonald's to grow live oaks if they get some acorns from a visit to the south. Yeah, well, I promised you I'd let you know it turned out. And I was driving this morning, and I said, you know what? I never made good on that. <laughs> you never before. made good. So 15 <laughs> years later, we figure it out. Gary, it's great talking to you. Thanks so much for calling, Barry. All righty.
404-872-0750 gets you in to take his place. We got Sean in Fayetteville, Georgia. Hey, Sean, good morning. Hey, good morning, sir. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I've got uh, a centipede lawn. It's full centipede. And the problem is I've got uh, a lot of Bermuda and Bahia that's growing up uh, specifically mm. around the septic tank. Yeah. I put down, um, I put down Scott's bonus S. And it seemed to take care of the Bermuda a little bit, but then it just came right back a couple weeks later. I'm wondering what can I do to keep the centipede, get rid of the Bermuda and the Bahia, and mm. then once I take care of the weeds, maybe thicken the centipede up with uh, some seed or something. What, what do you think? Man, oh man, Sean. That is a tough, tough thing to do. And off the top of my head, I don't think there is a selective way of spraying to get the Bermuda out of there and keep the centipede from being hurt by it. It may be that all you can do is a spot spray with Roundup and uh, kill the Bermuda seedlings and sprouts in areas where they are growing in the centipede grass and then maybe plant some centipede, centipede seed in the spring to, to fill the holes. That, I think, is about your only option. Okay, and will the centipede eventually get thick enough? It's kind of like the gentleman in Marietta where he said yeah. he bought the house and, uh, and it, the, yard, the yard had been neglected for some time. Right. Will the centipede ever get thick enough to choke out everything else? No. No. And it's just <laughs> okay. not that big of a competitor to do it. I have an, an, an idea for you, Sean, that might work so that it doesn't hurt the centipede too, too badly when you spray the Bermuda grass, and that is to get one of those pump-up sprayers you can buy from the hardware store easily enough you probably already have one but on mine when i want to be real careful of where i'm spraying a herbicide i have a uh, a liter coke bottle a plastic liter coke bottle that i cut off the bottom part of it and the neck of this bottle fits just perfectly onto the end of my sprayer and i can take that and put it over the top of a weed pull the trigger for just a second and go psh, like that and the Coke bottle, the plastic of the Coke bottle obviously is a guard and keeps the spray from going anywhere except right underneath my sprayer, right underneath my nozzle. And so I make little bitty applications of uh, herbicide if I need to by guarding this with a, with a Coke bottle. So that's a possibility, I guess, of using something to, to guard your spray. But I don't think there is any way in the world to get Bermuda out of centipede without hurting the centipede pretty badly. Okay. Okay, well, thank, thanks for taking my call. <laughs> not not quite the answer that I wanted to hear. Nah, but I know, I know, I know. Not the answer you wanted to hear, but you know, I do my best to tell the truth, and that's what I think the truth is. That's where it lies. Yes, sir. Well, thank you. You bet, Sean. Thanks for calling. Jimmy is in Cumming, Georgia, and joins us. Hey, Jimmy, good morning. Hey, Walter. How are you doing this morning, uh, sir? Fine. How can I help? Uh, yes, sir. I've got some watermelon vines, and I've been picking all summer, and I've got some late blooms on them. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering, should I see if they produce or go ahead and plow them up for the winter? Mm. <laughs> it depends on how curious you are <laughs> to see what happens. <laughs> I don't think there's a way in the world you're going to get any watermelons off that vine. They need you know close to 45 days to ripen, and you haven't got 45 days in coming before the first cold weather frost comes and so I don't think you're going to get any watermelons. On the other hand, if you want to let it bloom and have little watermelons and you slice them up and make pickles out of them, you could do that with the little watermelons that aren't even, aren't even, you know, don't have red inside, don't have any flesh inside, but you could pickle them if you wanted to. Or you could just plow it up and say, the heck with it, I'm out of here. <laughs> you can do that too. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Good luck with the watermelons next year then, man. See you soon.
We got Scott in Decula who joins us with a question about his Lantana. Hey, Scott, good morning. Good morning, Walt. Uh, the Lantana, some of the newer varieties that are, quote, cold hardy to like zone seven. Yeah. If I plant them this late in the fall without the roots really getting established, what is the likelihood of them coming back up next spring? You know, a lot of the answers that I give on the show are based on my own judgment of likelihood of success. Some things I can tell you to do is 100% effective, and some things I think to myself, eh, maybe 70%. <laughs> in your case, the lantana probably will be okay, Scott. The Miss Huff in particular, I think, is a tough lantana, stands the wintertime just fine. But you're right you're to worry. It's late. It's uh, you know, September, middle of September almost, and, and it won't have a lot of time to establish a root system. If you wanted to plant it, they're not that expensive. It's five, ten dollars right. maybe. I would go ahead and plant it. I think there's a reasonably good chance that it'll survive winter. Should I mulch over it real good to help it out? I would put the mulch around it but not over it. So okay. put a oh, okay. couple of inches maybe of pine straw or pine chips even around the plant but let the stems and everything stay. I have mixed advice about when to prune the dead stems. They'll, of course, die when the first frost comes. And I know some people who never prune it and they don't uh, do anything until the sprouts come up again in the spring. Other people who say, I don't like seeing those ugly stems during the wintertime. I want to prune it off in November or December. And they seem to have success as well. So you get to decide whether you prune it back to wait for next spring. Walter, always a pleasure. Thank you. It's great talking to you, Scott. Thanks for calling. It's 817 at News Talk WSV. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be a beautiful day outside, but it's going to be cooler than you thought. It's going to be in the 70s, high 70s today, overnight in the mid-50s, we think. Not a whole big chance of rain, but you'll get your full weekend forecast in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We're going to give Warren a second chance. He was able to call back in, and Warren, you're on the air. Good morning. Hey, Walter. Hey, Warren. Hey, uh, I have a, an oak tree. It's, it's about five years old, and it's done very well but this year about a, about a month ago i noticed that something's eating the leaves on it yeah I, I had another pin oak and i had some of those little like tent worms on it and yeah. i i cut them the lower branches off of that and got rid of all those but i can't find anything that's eating uh, this other oak tree the most common culprit on oaks at this time of year is called the orange striped oak worm it's a caterpillar, but we call caterpillars okay. worms here in the south. And so it's likely that is what you have. If so, and this is just something that I get to tell people to make them happy. If so, even if caterpillars eat every leaf on your oak tree, it's not going to hurt the tree because the tree was going to lose the leaves anyway in a month or so when as fall comes. It's absorbed a lot of energy so far this summer. And so the tree's leaves are sort of superfluous right now. They're, you can get rid of them and the caterpillars eating them uh, is what happens in nature and you don't have to worry about it. They're not going to hurt the tree at all. Okay, so I don't have to do anything. Isn't that great advice? Don't you like yeah. that advice, Warren? Yeah. Thanks, Walter. <laughs> Thank Nothing to it. By okay, the way, from, from my listeners out here who want to know why I'm talking about worms this morning, if you were on my Facebook list, you would know why I'm talking about worms because I had a whole series of worm posts on Facebook this past 
uh, week where I told folks that this is a wormy season. You got the orange stripe oakworm, you got army worms coming out, you got the venomous caterpillars that are out on uh, plants right now. So it is really wormy as we call it. Speaking of venomous caterpillars, look on your leaves of your things in your garden and maybe in, even in the lower limbs of trees for a very distinctive sort of fuzzy caterpillar, very short, but it has a brown, big brown dot in the back of its green back. It's called the Saddleback Caterpillar. And if you see one, do not touch it or you will learn something very important about Saddleback Caterpillars, which is that fuzz that's on the body of a Saddleback is, has little venom glands at the end of it. And if you touch it, it will feel like red hot fire has gotten on your skin. You don't want to touch a Saddleback Caterpillar. I've seen them on iris, I've seen them on uh, canna lilies. Uh, I remember my Uncle Gray who brushed by a pear tree and one was on the pear tree leaf and it hit him on the ear and his ear just swelled welled up big red and huge and it was when I was eight years old I still remember my uncle Gray's ear after a saddleback caterpillar had uh, had touched his ear if you want to see some pictures of other venomous caterpillars there's hag moth caterpillar there's uh, the was it, Isis textula I don't have a common name for it but there are two or three relatively common uh, venomous caterpillars that you can see pictures of on my website at WalterReeves.com and again while you're there you might as well sign up for my Facebook page I post things there that I think are interesting in the garden and hints on uh, how to take care of fescue and what to do with bulbs and that sort of thing. Do that from WalterReeves.com and if you're a young person and you have a Twitter account you can follow me on Twitter at WalterReeves. I know that young people have Twitter and old folks have Facebook but that's a way to communicate with both age groups so Facebook and Twitter. Sign up for the bi-weekly or bi-monthly I should say. Uh, email newsletter, there's lots of things at WalterReeves.com besides just the questions and answers that I have there. Right now it's 827 at News Talk WSB. We're broadcasting live this morning from the Cobb Galleria for the 32nd annual Fall Atlanta Home Show and Outdoor Exposition. There are lots of vendors here wanting you to come by and visit. And if you get here by 9 o'clock or so, you're going to be able to get into the show for free when it opens at 10. We'll be back right after news. The Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. <laughs> We're broadcasting live this morning from the Cobb Galleria for the 32nd annual Fall Atlanta Home Show and Outdoor Living Exposition. If you get here between now and 9 o'clock, you can get in free, see the show when it opens at 10, get to see some of the radio goings on. Dave Baker is here, of course, and he'll host the, the Home Fix-It show from this stage, from the reliable heating and air stage for this morning. Coming to us live from Pike Nursery, the lovely, the talented uh, Mickey Gazaway. Mickey, good morning. Good morning. It sounds like y'all are having fun. We are having fun. I'm telling stories during the breaks, Mickey, and you. I miss you being here because you tell some of the best stories of garden, garden adventures in the world. Yes, yes. And today I'm at Monticello listening to all uh, Thomas Jefferson's gardening adventures. You are not. You are in fun. Virginia right now? Yes. My it is gosh. so much fun. It's beautiful. We get to see all the things that we grow now. 
that he grew. And yeah. So and he was a gardener above all. But above. I've got to give you this my favorite quote. And the guy told us this. I've never heard it before yesterday. And she said, plant as if you're going to live forever. Garden as if you're going to live forever. <laughs> Don't you love that? I love it because actually some gardening you're doing not perhaps from yourself, you. but you're doing it for your children and your grandchildren. You are That's sort of living right. forever. I love it. I love it. But today... Yes. <laughs> the pipe stick is. Do I have? I don't have a drum corps who can you who can give us the no, the it, drumming. No, uh, pipe subgrass preventer. Oh great! I, That's. Could hear people talk about weeds and planting yeah, yeah. and all that, and it made me think this is the time for crabgrass preventer because it's the perfect time. Even though we think that we don't see a lot of these weeds until Christmas, they're germinating right now, and this is mm -hmm. the time to stop them before they ever get started. You're exactly right. I think Mickey, a couple of callers this morning have already talked about that pre-emergence are key to preventing grassy and some other broadleaf weeds in a lawn is to put it out before the seeds germinate. And as you say, you're not seeing the plants, but they got little seeds are just ready to germinate in the next week or two or three. And putting a pre-emergent down now is a great idea. And to have it on sale for 20% off, what's wrong with that? It's a great That's thing. even better, right? Yeah, yeah, it is indeed. Now's a perfect time to put a pre-emergent down to get rid of winter weeds that'll be sprouting in the next month. And that's what we're going to do tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow, when you get back from tomorrow. Monticello. When we get back, that's what we're going to do. And one of the things that I've emphasized too, Mickey, is it says on the label of the pipe crabgrass preventer, is it has to be irrigated in or watered in or rained that's in right. or something to get it dissolved so it makes that little shield on top of the ground. That's really important. It a gas barrier on top to keep right. everything from coming through it. That's what I understand. And, of course, I also gave advice to the guy who wanted to plant fescue and put a pre-emergent down at the same time wrong. that that wasn't going to work. That was no. the wrong thing to try. Pre-emergents work really well, but they're not very smart, and they can't tell the <laughs> difference between fescue and anything a weed. So That's right. Don't put it down now. <laughs> but they can be very effective in controlling annual weeds. Again, the annual oh, yeah. bluegrass and uh, chickweed and some of the other other grasses and weeds that get into a lawn and a pre-emergent in the fall around the middle of September. Perfectly done. Water it in. you got all sorts of things good going and, on for preventing weeds. And I was going to say, if you had a terrible problem with them last year, I think it's a good idea to put it down again, like in November, the 1st of December. Just Yeah, just I, I, I agree with you. You had a hard, So buy big... enough today to last for thin and then you'll get 20% off of them. Sure, of course. And so, yeah, I don't disagree that sometimes two applications spaced about eight weeks apart from each other makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense if you have a lot of weeds out there. So let's yeah. remind everybody the way you get the, um, the discount, 20% discount, is go to the cashier at your local Pike Nursery and say, hey, this is Mickey and Walter's Pike Pick. Even though Mickey's not even in Georgia right now, this is still the Pike Pick for the weekend, Saturday to Sunday, and people will get 20% off on the Pike Crabgrass Preventer. That's right. How about classes? Any classes going on, Mickey? Yeah, there's uh, one on lawns today, which seems Great. appropriate. 20 minutes so, from uh, now, 9 o'clock at all your Pike Nurseries, and you can get the class on lawns. They always have trained experts to come and talk about that, some of the staff at the Pike Nursery to tell the best tips on planting fescue and getting rid of weeds in Bermuda grass and how to make centipede grass look its best. So you got all these knowledge, 9 o'clock this morning, all the Pike Nurseries. That's exactly right. So, Mickey, it's great talking to you. If I wanted to find a location near my house, where would I go to find the Pike Nursery nearest to me? PikeNursery.com. 
you tell Stan I said hello, and y'all have a great time in Monticello. We will. See you later. See you, Mickey. Thanks for calling. 20% off on crabgrass preventer today at all Pike Nurseries. You can get the locations, of course, as Mickey said, pikenursery.com. Richard is in Woodstock and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Richard, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm fine. How can I help? Um, I planted, um, and I'm a novice gardener, really. Uh, about a year ago, I planted a, an Ayers pear tree. Okay. And it developed some spots on it, and the leaves started falling off. And um, this year, um, after the winter, it, it came back up, and the leaves started coming up nice again. And I sprayed it down to try to prevent disease and, like, an overall disease type of thing. And Yeah. It, it got the spots again, and it's looking like Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. <laughs> and it still ought to have leaves. A pear tree right now, yeah. it hadn't been any bad weather, freezing weather, or anything. So it should have all the leaves on it that, it that it needs. So if it's looking like Charlie Brown, then we need to stop this. So one of the things that I'm thinking about when you say airs pear tree is I don't know offhand how resistant it is to fire blight and you need to be familiar with fire blight Richard because that is one of the things that can very quickly limit your pear tree from ever having fruit on it it occurs in the springtime you don't have it right now I don't think but in the spring get to know what fire blight looks like because it is a virulent disease on pears when you talk about the the spots on the leaves, Richard, are they half inch, quarter inch? The whole leaf gets it and falls off. Tell me a little bit more. Um, the spots are very small. I mean, small spots. Um, I noticed that it, it kind of looks like the spots I see on some um, in, um, indigenous um, berries mm -hmm. that I see around um, on the periphery of my my yard. And um, I don't know if they passed it on to my, my pear tree or something, um, but they're just very, barely a little tiny spot. I mean, hmm. it's, well, a lot of spots, but all over the place. They started off brown and they turned black. Yeah. Let me tell you what I think you ought to do. I think you ought to put a note in your calendar for next year in late July, early August. Before any of the spots that, are, that you're noticing right now, before they started appearing in the summertime, you need to, before that, put a fungicide on the tree. And so nothing can be done right now. The leaves that have the spots are going to fall off. There's no reason to spray anything right now. But if you want to prevent the spots next year, the time that I think you would do that is in late July, maybe early August, and get the, the fungicide on the tree before the fungus actually starts developing into the brown spots. And if you see it earlier than that, spray right then, again, to protect the leaves that are on the tree at that point and forward. Another thing, obviously, is to make the tree happy, healthy, and uh, able to fight some of its own fights. And if you're not fertilizing, it's something to consider is feeding the tree enough so it has a lot of leaves on it, all of which give you the energy or give the tree the energy to fight the spots on the leaves. Any particular fungicide brand or you recommend or yeah, the because it's a tree, if you can find one that has the hose in sprayer, that would be the the kind to get. But offhand, I don't know which fungicides come with a hose in sprayer on the on the uh, uh, packaging or how it's applied. I mean, and so I you know Bayer products, Ortho products, Bonine products, all those should have a chance anyway of having a hose in sprayer that you would use to spray it up into the tree. And any kind of uh, like a fertilizer spikes. Uh, for the trees. spikes will do fine. You could, if you go to my website, just go to WalterReeves.com, type in pear in the search line, and uh, that will take you to a 
paper that I wrote about how to care for pears, how to spray pears, how to fertilize pears, and all that kind of stuff that I don't have a lot of time to, to go through all the details. But that's what I would do. Go to WalterReeves.com, just type in pear or fire blight. You need some pictures of fire blight, it'll give you some pictures of fire blight too. But go there and see if you can get some details on how to, how to fertilize the tree, Richard. It's great talking to you. Got to go though. We got Peggy on the line in Kennesaw, and she joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Peggy, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call, Um, I received some iris bulbs from a friend, and um, I'm really not a gardener, but I really want to. I love irises; they're my favorite Great. plant. Sure. So I'd like to get some information on, you know, when, how, and where to plant these bulbs. Today, very shallowly, full sun. I think that was full six sun. words <laughs> there to give you <laughs> yeah. to answer your question. Shallowly and full. Yeah, the, the roots the on an iris, they're not bare. You don't bury them, you know, five or six inches deep in the soil like you would a tulip or a daffodil or something like that. The roots on irises actually need to be right at the soil surface. And so once you have identified a bed in full sun, uh, dig it up real good, of course, uh, loosen the soil, get your iris uh, roots that you got from your friend, and just put them in, just sort of mash them into the soil. If it's real soft, it'll be pretty easy to do that. And just mash them sort of into the soil, water, a little bit of fertilizer now would be okay, but the main fertilizing time is going to be next um, early April, I guess, is when we fertilize iris best. Uh, any particular fertilizer? I had heard bone meal, but I, I really don't know. I, you know, if you go to Pike and just say, I need some landscape fertilizer, they have two or three brands of EB Stone fertilizer. It works really well on landscape shrubs, trees, flowers, everything else. So, you know, go to Pike, get some EB Stone fertilizer for um, bulbs or landscape use, and that's what I would use. Okay, what about conditioning the soil beforehand? Do I need to mix anything into the soil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pike sells some great soil conditioners, both as uh, ground up pine bark and also I think uh, miracle Grow has a soil conditioner it's called planting soil that's mixed 50-50 with your native soil and that works fine too but either one added to mixed in yeah that'll make a nice iris bed you'll have more iris than you ever thought you would have well how, I've got about uh, eight bulbs um, do you, is there uh, a measurement how far apart we should be planting them hmm. let me hold my hands in front of the microphone here I would plant uh, iris about 10 inches or so apart from each other. They should give enough room for them to grow and the roots to spread. 10 inches, let's call it that. Okay, I got it. All, All right. right. Well, this has been very helpful. Thank you so much, Walter. I appreciate but it. But I have, I have one more bit of advice, Peggy. Sure. Once you learn to grow irises, you're going to be so enthralled with the flowers. As you say, they're just as beautiful as any flower in the garden. Try other kinds of iris besides the bearded iris that you have. Try the um, uh, uh, Siberian iris. has a very pretty blue flower to it. And there are Japanese irises. There are many other species of iris besides the bearded that you got from your friend. And you might become the iris queen of Atlanta once you get really interested in it because they're tough, they're easy to grow, they have pretty flowers, and even a beginning gardener like you, Peggy, could have real success with uh, most irises growing in Atlanta. Do they have to be thinned uh, every year? Um, well, uh, every two or three years is about right. They don't have to be thinned every year, no. Every couple of years is fine. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the information, Walter. I really appreciate it. Good, su good success, Peggy. Call me if you need any more questions answered. I sure will. I sure Thanks will. Have calling. a great day.
comes uh, Mike. We got Mike is out in Conyers, Georgia, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Oh, Mike, let me do, not do that because I'm going to be way off on my timing here. Let's just say this 849, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend, and the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you Pressure. need. People. And a quick weekend weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, beautiful weekend, colorful. It's going to be cooler than you thought it was in the high 70s, of course, this weekend. And overnight lows in the 50s, pretty much. Not much chance of rain either. You can come and see us at the Cobb Galleria for the 32nd annual Fall Atlanta Home Show. You get your full weekend forecast, of course, in 10 minutes. Right now, let's go to Andy in Atlanta, who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, hey, hey Walter. Hey, man, what's up? Quick question. How can I successfully transplant mature Eliagnus? You know, there are a lot of listeners out there right now, Andy, saying, spray it with Roundup first. Uh-huh. That's what you need to do. No, no, no. I, I want to move them. And these, these are 20-plus-year-old, and, and they're, yeah. they've been trimmed, so they're manageable size-wise. But how do I deal with the roots? Can, can it be done? Oh, absolutely. Eliagnus is going to, is always going to be transplantable, abusable. You can do anything you want to to Eliagnus. It seems to survive. Cars run over on the side of the highway, and they do just yeah, fine. So how big, how big is it now, Andy? It's about four feet high. That's great. You're in great shape. Not one of those eight-foot-tall monsters no, 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 you no, see no. by the I've expressway. I mean, I'm thinking I'm going to pull them up with a bobcat and uh, take them and put them on a truck and move them. You're a man after my own heart. Somebody who has the equipment and can use it. I think all you do is try to get as many roots as you can. Let that be yeah. the goal. Don't worry too much about the dirt around them. Keep them moist. Don't let them dry out as you would with anything you're trying to transplant. Uh, lift them up. Put them on the truck bed. And away you go to the new place. Plant them. And within a year or two, it'll be big as an elephant <laughs> in the landscape there. Unless you That's keep it fantastic. pruned. Thank you yeah. so much for taking my call. Great talking to you, Andy. Thanks so much for calling. If we go really, 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 really quick, Mike and Conyers can do his question. Mike, join us on Lawn and Garden. Let's go real fast. Good morning. 40-acre pasture, neglected for years, a variety of grass and green stuff. I want to plant rye, I think, for the cattle. Yeah. Uh, timing and procedure. Here's my advice. Steve Pettis. Two words. Your county extension uh, agent in Conyers in Rockdale County, Steve Pettis, is a great resource for pasture management. And since I don't have a lot of time here, let's go. Steve Pettis, 1-800-ASK-UGA-1. Steve will give you all the details you need. I want to tell you this morning, my show would not have been possible without Mr. Lorenzo Kemp, Ms. Buffy Berman, Mr. Scott Maxim, and Ms. Ashley Frasca back at the station. Thanks so much to them for doing their great job. I've got a nice, nice audience here at the Cobb Galleria. Of course, you get free admission to the show if you get here between now and 9 o'clock, which is about three minutes from now. But come on, take a chance. We'll see if it works. We'll see you next Saturday. More Lawn and Garden.